Cradleine Network. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox. This is the 254th episode of Space Spinner 2000. Oh, oh no. So many. A podcast for two Americans trying to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD. One month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for March and April 1992. Prog 776 to 779. This time... We're clearing the decks ahead of a big relaunch with um, some self-contained Dread and Harlem Heroes stories, plus the climaxes of Finn and the Clown. And if you want to read along with us, uh-huh. you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dread: The Complete Case Files 16 and the Judge Dread Magazine 329. All right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Man, let me tell you, I'm right. really excited about uh, how many things are good in this comic and how many things are good in this comic. How many would you say that are? Uh, a lot of things? Quite a, um, a level of high quality things? I would say two out of five things are things that I liked. Everything else were things I didn't like. Very exciting. All right. Well, let's see what those are. Starting off with Thrill One, Judge Dread. I, I just want to go on record immediately stating um, I may have said things about being excited about Babes in Arms mm-hmm. uh, that I immediately rescind. And, and well, no. Well, OK. Not that not that these ladies are not beautiful, but that like, man, oh, man, do I, I love where this goes and man, oh man, were my comments not appropriate for the content. Mmm. I love it. Yeah. I, I love this thing that they're tackling here. Yeah, fun. Script robot Garth Ennis, art robot Greg Staples, letting robot Tom Frame. So, Fox, over in Big Meg 1, we're about to finish the story Brit Sit Babes, which is about female undercover judges with artwork that's got a lot of ambition. This story, Babes in Arms, could be seen as a mega as the Mega City response to that story. <clears throat> That's interesting because Mega City One is just worse and doesn't have undercover babes, but instead has like a crisis about ugh, horrible people taking advantage of women. I mean, they've got undercover babes for the record in the Wally Squad, but yes, that is what the, what we're focusing on instead of the uh, these ladies who have been done wrong and then revenge. You know, that's the Mega City One story for sure. So, okay, Fox, at the Billy Whitelaw block, and Billy Whitelaw is the actress probably best known for being the evil nanny in the movie The Omen. Um, a man oh, with a really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the evil like uh, nurse lady or uh, governess or whatever. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. She's raising that demon boy. <laughs> He's going to do some bad demon boy things. My daddy's the devil, Definitely. and y'all know I'm going to get up to some hijinks. Okay, so at the Billy Whitelaw block, a man with a, dread, with a dreadlock topknot runs down the street <laughs> past a man that may be the Mega City One, where's Wally slash Waldo. He's got that those red stripes oh, in the hat man, and stuff. Oh, man, I didn't even notice that until you said it, and now it's true. That's That's where's Waldo. That's how Waldo gets you, buddy. He blends in, you know? Um, <laughs> it's, that, he, it's that white uh, shirt with red trim in the foreground that really messes with you, you know? 
Yeah, but you know, this is '92 is right around the time when that's getting big. You know, where's Wally in the uh, in in the UK? Um, but you know, where a cheeky young artist might 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 try to sneak one in, basically. Um, but so this guy falls at the feet of Judge Dredd. He says, "You got to help me. My wife's trying to kill me." He says he's Dirk, his name's Dirk Hunter when suddenly a harpoon with a rope comes Boom. flying down and kills him such, to the chest. Such a <laughs> sick move. Like through your shoulder, through the bottom of your like like side of you, right? Like through your kind of like your ribs. Bye. Mm-hmm. I love it. He's like, woo. Yeah. Just pulls him up into the sky. Dred's like, what? And calls in an H-Wagon and then gets aboard an elevator to go investigate. I'll note that the elevator has uh, both senseless things and uh, Nirvana graffiti on the walls. I, I do like that the, the I, I wish there was like um, a Muzak tone playing in the background as everybody is just kind of standing there and then there's a dude on a motorcycle in the <laughs> lift. Absolutely. As always, it reminds me of that part in True Lies where Arnold Schwarzenegger's riding a horse up a, up an elevator, and there's <laughs> folks in there like, oh, "Okay, what a day, you know." God, True Lies. What a time! To, yeah, what a life, buddy. That's what mm. I say. Um, on the roof, Dirk is met by a lady with a giant mass of red hair, oh, big trench beautiful. coat. Huge gun, all flapping in the wind. Her name is Tiger, and she doesn't want explanations or profess or professions of love. Instead, she just she wants just, the coolest execution ever, where she puts a grenade in your mouth. Yeah, she jams a thermo bomb in Dirk's mouth and then jetpacks away. Dread arrives at the roof just in time to see the situation, and he's just like, "Nah, screw this!" and hits the jet booster on his bike and goes <laughs> flying off the side. As you do, as uh, you know, a giant light of explosion happens on top of this uh, on top of this uh, mega city block. It's, right. uh, it's As, awesome. Definitely. As we see the cityscape of the exploding top of this building, there is a nearby building that says, see you next Wednesday on the side of it. I see what oh. you're doing. Mm. I see what you're doing. <laughs> Cheeky. Indeed. Um, so uh, the uh, Justice Department H-Wagon approaches the uh, Billy Whitelaw block. Notes all the damage and just in time sees a falling Judge Dredd. <laughs> and immediately are like, listen, we got to get him. We got to tractor beam him, but don't tractor beam him too hard or else he'll break his neck <laughs> or rip his head off Dred- or something like that. Yeah. Dredd's just falling through the air being like, well, <laughs> this was a dumb way to die. <laughs> <laughs> But the H-Wagon does manage to tractor beam him, and he's okay. But there's probably thousands of dead inside the block, which is a bummer. Uh, that's, that's a huge bummer. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it only took out, uh, like, eight floors, but that means thousands of people. Yeah, I and mean, that's just how it goes. These city blocks have an incalculable amount of people in them at any given time. Well, I guess calculable, but it's a lot. That's what I'm trying to say. Um. In a sweet red hover car, a quartet of ladies argue over whose husband to kill next. Well, we already know that it's like a 50-50 shot on who's going next. Because, hey, I I just killed my beau and uh, this lady with the chainsaw hand killed hers. Yeah. So they decide to go with Sue, who's a lady with braids. Her husband's closest, so they'll get him next as a... Uh, Buff, blonde, a uh, hitty, 
stews that they aren't killing her husband next. And we see the pur- purple-haired cyborg lady screech in the back as content because she's already killed her husband. Oh, yeah. I mean, real happy about it. What with her bloody chainsaw and such. Mmm. Soon the hover car is bursting into an exclusive mansion where a poker game is taking place. And the ladies just start shooting the place up. I, I love the simplicity of it because it's like poker game... Ah, oh, God, it, it isn't judges, just waste them. And then I, I love a great blast sequence. Um, mm-hmm. What I love about this especially is it feels like spray paint. Yeah, no, I really, yeah, Greg Staples is going with a really interesting art style for this, where um, just in, in, in terms of the look and the feel of the uh, of, of these characters and the and the action and stuff, it's, it, it's very cool. Hmm. I don't know any more about it. That's, you know, that's what I got. That's um, so good. <laughs> I, 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 look, man, um, like appreciating the art. Yeah, definitely. At the Hall of Justice, Dredd consults with Judge Perrier on Dirk Hunter. We learn he's from Mega City 2, where he met, where he left a wife named Tiger Marlowe behind. Mm. And we see a much younger, more innocent Tiger winning at a flower show at Mega City 2. And I should say, uh, Fox, that Tiger Marlowe sounds a lot to me like the name of Rita Marlowe who was the main character in the play and movie uh, Will Success Spoil Rock Hunter, which also sounds a lot like Dirk Hunter. So oh. this... I'm an uncultured swine in this regard. I did not the, I did not know these things. I just like that title, you know? Um, and so I sort of... It, it like... When I heard Dirk Hunter, I was like, well, that sounds like rock, like Will Success Spoil Rock Hunter. And so I looked into it. You know... Just some just some sixties stuff with a Jane Mansfield and stuff. So, you know, always a always a chance to get to check out some booby action if you're into it. Um <laughs> she, that's what she'd say. Uh, Tales from Beyond Science coming later this episode. Um <laughs> Dread tells the judges to ask the Mega City Two judges to help out with this with some information. I mean, that's gonna be some toilet right there. Yeah, those beach bums don't do nothing. Um, and then uh, goes to check on Hunter's known associates. They he arrives at whoop, he arrives at John Beach Boy's apartment to find it covered in blood. Even his huge Tharg poster's got blood on it. Fox. Oh man, you know that's a limited edition hollow pick trademark. Seriously, we also see Sue approaching her husband Marcus, knife in hand, and oh, Beach Boy yeah. seems to be yeah. Beach Boy's scattered all over the place. They find like his fingers in the fruit bowl and stuff. It seems Dirk Hunter is a dangerous man to know. I mean, you know, just don't eat the fig Newtons. <laughs> Might have some fingers in them. Whoa! I I refer to finger food, Fox, but this is ridiculous. There we go. <laughs> Go to hell, everybody. All right. <laughs> so from Beach Boy's house, Dread Radio's Judge Riley at the Smurd Mansion, nope. where the dreamy blonde Judge Riley has found this dude Sue killed last Prague. He's been daggered to the wall with scum written in blood over his body. I mean, apt description, knowing where this goes. Yeah. No, and always a good uh, t- a, g- a good thing to write over a uh, a bad man with the scum <laughs> manifesto and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yes, scum. Exactly. Um, so anyway, the last known associate of Dirk Hunter is Sammy Salami, who runs oh, a God. bassoon farm in the cursed earth. Man, what an unfortunate surname, Salami. 
I mean, it's. I think he's really he's really leaned into it by getting into the meat <laughs> processing business. You I'm, know, I'm just saying that you know you could cut some of the fat out of that name. Call him Sal. Nah, because he's got like. He's like merchandising on it. You know, he's wearing a t-shirt that says, look at the size of that salami. I, you know, I guess you can't judge a casing by, uh, or a sausage by its casing. There we go. I think you can, to be honest. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I understand what you're trying to say. I'm trying so hard, Conrad. You need to understand. I feel like, I feel like a casing is more important to a sausage than the cover is to a book, for instance, is what I'm trying to say. It's the most important part, some would say. All would say. Gotta keep that, that delicious meat inside. I mean, there's uncased sausages out there, but I know what you yeah. Anyway, that's, that's here we go. That's called a burger. Oh, fair. That's, a, that's super fair, actually. Um, so they, the, the judges find him at a dust zone meat warehouse. I mentioned he's got a he's got a, a ball bald with a forelock thing like the bad guys in the clown here. I'm not into it. It's a bad look. It's the same no. as the rat tail. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's like a front rat tail. It's I, weird. I, yeah, exactly. I'm not. And they curl it. You know yeah. he's got to curl it. Don't like it. Um, Dread makes him spill the beans. He, sa- he explains they're all from Mega City 2, where everything's beachside and things seem pretty cool. We see, like, a massive Mega City 2 cityscape with a Bill and Ted block and another block advertising Fat Bottom Surf Shop. And I'll mention that all the buildings are, like, pastel-colored and rounded. It looks like a Ticky big, like, uh... little dildongs. I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, it's very ticky-tacky on the hillside, ticky-tacky, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And they all go to the mega prison, and they all look the same. Wow! <laughs> to that's to a, me, that's they actually good. look they, they they look more like uh like if you've ever like uh, like a colored like I don't know like like fifty Easter eggs or something like that, Fox. Like you've yeah, like, it does feel like they're hidden in the in the grass kind of thing, right? And there's just a, like or even not even hidden, but like you know, I remember being a kid. At like and like and like volunteering at church, and we have to just make like like pre Easter, oh, yeah. so we got to make like a hundred Easter, you know, like you know, five hundred Easter eggs or something like and that. And you got to put the and lead out too, man, because you've got, I mean, twenty four hours basically when they ask you. Exactly. So this just looked like a big mass of Easter eggs to me. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, these That's four a, dudes I didn't even think about that because I used to have to do that also for my church for youth group. Listen, yeah, no, they put your ass to work, buddy. That's the, uh, <laughs> that's the truth. That's, yeah, I don't want to get into it, you know. Um, so these Speaking four dudes are all your ass to work. Yeah, they wanted to get rich. So they decided to marry into wealth, as you do. They all married four hot rich girls. And once oh their God. finances were nicely intermingled, okay. they stole all that money and walked away. Why not just stay? Why not just so, stay, Fox? So why not just stay number one? Because they were it's, okay. So this is where this is where the knife twists in the stomach. Because I was like, okay, and then like you turn a page and shit gets dark. So they were like, oh yeah, like the stipend that they gave us to live with them, like it was a great life, but we just wanted more. So what did we do? We beat them and cut them up into pieces. And we just like were horrible to them. Um, and like you turn the page, and so far it's been like, hey, it's like a normal mega city thing until you see like the woman crying in the corner and a dead woman in a bathtub with just blood spatter everywhere and a guy with a serrated knife. So, yeah, I know. 
This is when this is the very moment for me. Uh, not giving anything away here as opposed to, you know, what we're going to do at the end of this episode. Th- mm-hmm. This was like the the gut kick for me where I was like, oh, holy shit. This isn't like a, a haha mega city uh, one off like for Prager thing. This is like a, we've got something to say about spousal abuse. Um, <laughs> to me. Yeah, definitely. God damn. <laughs> Or at least just using that as a dramatic thing. For me, this actually feels very um, Garth Ennis, like like the writer here. It feels like sort of one of I don't know. It feels like a signature for him. Will he like? It just reminds me a lot of like a lot of times in Preacher where there will be sort of things that 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 feel kind of light or silly, and then periodically just like extreme graphic violence. You know, <laughs> remind you that like well maybe actually they're out for blood for a reason. I mean, yeah. I, I, like narratively, I love this because they everything else to this. I, I, she shot a hook through the top of a man and then hoisted him to the top of a building. That's funny. I don't right, care who it, you are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does sort of justify the um, extreme levels of violence that they're visiting upon their spouses. You know. Yeah. To, exactly. Um, and I'll and I'll say, listen, maybe just because I live a life of desperate loneliness, Fox, but man, like I just say married to the rich lady. They seem nice. Like, I, I don't listen, know. Listen, man, I love you. Number one. Number two. Yeah, of course. Duh. Why? Wh- like, like, don't be a slovenly prick to them. And also don't beat them or cut them up in order like for any reason. Like you, you've, yeah, just you've be, made it. Why don't you just be a trophy husband, man? That's the dream. Yes. But anyway. Clean the house. Do do what needs to be done. You know. Yeah. Come on. But so yeah. So like you said, yeah. The uh, the spouses were left, or the the wives were left in various states of being messed up by their former husbands. Um, Ugh. And um, anyway, these guys all left um, and arrived at Mega City One in twenty one oh four, rich enough to live high on the hog, and so they've done for the last many years. Dreader rests salami. Like, like that's fucked yeah, up, buddy. You're going you, to jail. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> He's like, well, it seems like a nice little plan at the time. And it's like, you know, there's a female judge, like, right across from you. Like, judge Perrier, not pleased. Tact is is clearly not something that is born from a fucking front wiggle. Or whatever the hell you call that front rat tail. <laughs> Definitely not. Um... And as he, as Dredd arrests Salami, the ladies are, uh, are, are heading on over. It seems they left Mega City 2 as well, but without any money or futures. So instead, they just spent time on the cursed earth where they got hard, fueled by the hatred of their former husbands. I um, mean, I would. Yeah, Sheena, who's the lady that got cut up by her husband, uh, became the mostly cyborg Screech. But don't get it twisted. Even though she's the most obviously inhuman, they've all become tough cursed earth killers. And in, um, even Hedy, who is um, Salami's ex-wife, you well, know, it, she this he, this he, is he, actually he, a thing for me. Like she's like, look, I know I didn't get worse than all of you, but like he beat me. I, yeah, like I was defenseless. Yeah, he, Salami beat her up on his way 
out of Mega City 2, and that's clearly had a long-term effect on her. So now she's become like this huge, uh, uh, muscular lady. She's got these big, like, biceps and veins and stuff like that. And she wants revenge on Sammy, a real bad. I, I'm not gonna, I, I mean, I guess this is spoiling everything, but like, she's my through line in all of this because that's the one that is the most realistic, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, not necessarily becoming the most bulk, although like I certainly would do that if someone I cared about just literally beat the shit out of me. But Mm -hmm. like hers, hers was like, look, I know that I'm not the one who got like torn apart or fucked up the way you guys did, but he hit me, i.e. Yeah. Something like, you know, kids at home who might be reading these comics may experience and how like horrible that was for her to the point where she has turned into, you know, a bulk person who wants to twist the head off of her husband. I like it, that was for me. I was like, holy shit, because she's the last one, which we're getting to now was a was a big thing for yeah. me. I, I, I thought that that was that was a very interesting revelation for the for the four that it's it, no one. No one's the weakest. Basically, all no, of them yeah, these, have these ladies are all badasses for sure. So Judge Riley arrives at Salami's as well, but he says the catch wagon to take uh, Salami back to jail or to jail is running late. He's skeptical about all this. Like, come on, they can't all just be a bunch of like ex-wives out for blood when um, the red <laughs> hover car arrives yeah, and Katie that. blows the wall open. <laughs> yeah, the ladies, about that. <laughs> the ladies stand coolly in this smoking hole as Dredd gets his gun ready. He's pretty sure that this is the situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, I think these women are out for blood because these guys are horrible bastards. Yeah. The ladies open fire as Dredd um, learns that backup is not coming. He hits Screech with a high X round, but it doesn't really hurt her. And the ex-wives go to reposition as the judges make moves as well. We've got some gunfights going on. Um what I he like about this pu- is that they're both they're both thinking in terms of repositioning and where to go and how to do it. Like it's clear that these women are actually hardened. Uh yeah. And the yeah, as well as the judges, right? Yeah, they're smart and no tactics and things like that, seems mm. like. At least a little bit. Um I mean their strategy is short sighted, but they're out for blood. Yeah. So um Hitty gets punched by Dredd and is temporarily knocked out while Sue throws throwing stars at him, the shuriken. Dredd pulls one out and throws it back as <laughs> Riley comes up behind Sue. But behind him is Screech with a chainsaw and Jesus. she cuts off his hand. And man, oh man, this guy is so not into getting his hand chopped off. Yeah. Unhappy at the D living, he pulls the law, his lawgiver out. He put, oh, sorry. She cut off his gun hand. So he basically goes to his severed hand, pulls the lawgiver out of his fingers, mm-hmm. and gets it into his other hand, into his intact right hand, and just starts shooting at her. Meanwhile, man. definitely blows her arm off with the first shot. Um, yep. Meanwhile, Perrier's trying to lead a cuffed salami to safety, but gets buffaloed by Tiger. Tiger thinks she's pretty tough and that Perrier's sort of a not going to give her a good oh, fight. But instead, wrong. Perrier just headbutts her right in the face with her helmet. It's pretty awesome. Like, listen, 
she gets it. She hates these guys too, but she's the law. And I, it's just, yeah. just like, yeah, face. I love this. Face this, and then just headbutts her in the nose. It's pretty good. Yeah, the shield just really messes her up. It's excellent. Um, Salami tries to run, but gets uh-uh. grabbed by Hitty. Bad God times damn ahead. Right. <laughs> well, and and so oh. it's a it's a thing to note. Judge Dredd punched her. Right. Mm-hmm. So again, physical abuse. Hitty doesn't even fucking like she's a little blue around the eye, but she's still moving. <clears throat> Definitely. Yeah. So uh, upstairs, Riley's going kill crazy on Screech, just shooting the hell out of her. Dread actually does the thing of like putting a hand on his shoulder. Like, I it's think you enough! got her, basically. <laughs> Dread he, also not. He <clears throat> screams at him the entire time. It, it's really great because you, you're not supposed to see a judge yeah, have definitely. emotion. Yeah, no, yeah, this kill crazy stuff, not cool, not a good look for a judge, certainly. Um, Dredd also knocks out Sue, Perrier's finished beating up Tiger as Hitty punches Sammy, and um, then starts, like, like she, like, basically, like, you see him, like, he's, she's got him up against a wall, and she's just been punching him in the face a couple times, he's got a big black eye and stuff, like, like, yeah, like, like a, swo- a swollen shut eye, I should say. Yeah, exactly, and she's just like, oh, how does it feel? To be hit harder than what you can manage. How does it feel like that you can't do anything and I'm beating you? How did and mm-hmm. you know the whole time he's like, please, please stop hitting me, and she's just you know strangling him to death. And yeah. I love this look between the two of them because that you don't see his eyes, you see hers, and she's crying when she breaks his neck. Yeah, she is choking the life out of him as Dredd arrives. He gives her one chance, but she just keeps going. She like uh, keeps keeps killing uh, uh, Sammy. So Dredd takes his shot and seemingly killing her and maybe him as well as backup arrives. Whew. It seems when backup arrives that Screech is actually still alive. And dang, hate kept these dames going strong, and it's hard to blame them. Oh man. The end of Babes in Arms. Conrad. Good little four-parter here. Self-contained, you know, beginning, middle, and end all in one episode here. It it may be my... It, it's so succinct and so it, it, it exacting, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, like in my family life, I, you know, you know, between my mom and dad, there was never anything like this, but certainly from... Friends of mine or from people I knew, it's not like these things didn't happen. And what sure like the the crowning achievement here is like as she is exacting revenge, she is crying. And mm-hmm. um I think I you know, I, I would be interested in the female perspective on this entire like four you know, kind of four prog piece, right? Mm-hmm. Just because at least from my perspective, it's you're not just like, yay, all the guys are dead and fuck them. Um, <laughs> the woman who had, let's say, the least damage done, uh, technically speaking, right? Because she... Right, like a had, tiger, I'd say. Yeah, or she had mentioned... Sue. Well, because she had mentioned like, look, I didn't get the worst of it like you guys did. That was like a big thing for her. I was just hit and beaten, right? Um Oh, Hitty, yeah. I see what you mean, yeah. She's, Hitty is the one who is the last, and I feel like, you know, again, it's a, beating is the, well, 
not that it's certainly not the best or, or not the worst, but it it's certainly one that's common, right? Mm-hmm. And I like by the end of this, I was like, Jesus Christ! Like it's it's just a very emotional roller coaster for me on this, where it's I I am glad that it started as a oh hey it's uh, women trying to kill their husbands and they're probably pretty bad, but ends with Hedy getting her revenge mm-hmm. and being the most down to earth, right? Like you can't really harpoon a guy from the top of a multi-thousand story building and hoist him up or or chainsaw a person to death or ninja star someone to death necessarily. Um, hers was just so much more personal and visceral. I Like, I love this, and the art really lent itself to that. Like, I, I, I felt like it was less of a vendetta and so much more personal at the end. For me personally, hmm. um, where I, I just, I really treasure this. And it does like it's certainly when I hear like, you know, mega city babes or whatever, I'm like, ah, oh, it's going to be a fucking joke piece. Um, mm-hmm. Sure as hell wasn't, Conrad. <laughs> I was not prepared for this in the slightest. Nice. Well, I'm glad this one has has affected you so much. That's really interesting. I feel like now that I'm thinking about it, probably when this episode comes out, I'll put like a trigger warning at the start of our dread coverage here. Yeah, I, like I don't, I don't want to, I don't stuff. want to screw with anybody. Yeah, on that end, like it, it's quite like look, I, I, I think that there is a lot of discussion going on on all this sort of thing. The fact is, is that, and I, any sane person will say this is abuse is abuse. Don't don't fucking do it. <laughs> yeah, come on. And uh, I I feel like you know it, again yeah, any I mean, sane it, person wouldn't it, wouldn't do this, but it, it is something that I this feels like a piece written and drawn in a way that that can be related to regardless of if you've experienced it or not. I start, my heart's out for yeah. for these people, especially for Hedy, because it's something that I can connect to without ever having experienced it because it's it's actually something that does exist in the world that we live in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think in the end her um her experiences may be more universally applicable because I don't think a lot of people can empathize with being almost murdered and turned into a cyborg, but Correct. I think people <laughs> can empathize with um being killed uh, or or by 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 being punched and that or or being a, a, you know Abused, assaulted yeah. and that sort of um galvanizing you i guess like what was that jennifer lopez movie uh enough sort of a similar thing oh my um, god is there or, a jennifer uh, lopez movie i haven't seen where yeah i remember no she uh has like an abusive uh husband and the movies and then she like trains in the martial arts and kicks the oh, shit out of them. God him. damn, that's awesome. I what wouldn't say it, I wouldn't say it was a good movie, but that... when I saw it, the theater <laughs> did um did did um find it to be quite uh in, invigorating is what I'll say. Yeah. No, I mean you 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 definitely found better words than I did uh in terms of this. I I just I I <sighs> dread pieces that make you think, which is I think the strongest suit that it has. Right. To remind you that Dred's a jackboot thug or to remind you what the city's like. But this is like at least a piece where did anybody win at the end? 
Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's really the point, right? Like, I I definitely think that they were trying to go for something else. Uh, And for me, they nailed it as, as, you know, a 35-year-old man (laughs) reading a comic book for teenagers. (laughs) But sure. I I mean, it's affecting. So I really enjoyed it. Cool. All right. Well, hey, speaking of, or no, I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's talk about more societal problems, Fox. I'm tired of not talking about societal problems in 2000 AD. Getting political. <laughs> let's go to Thrill to Finn. Oh, man. I can't wait for jackbooted thugs to get what they deserve through mysticism yeah. and always fighting a Loch Ness. Gotta. Yeah, so uh, script robot Pat Mills and Tony Skinner, art robots Jim Elston and Kevin Wicks, letting robot Steve Potter. So, Conrad, I do want to at the forefront say about this that I'm ever since you explained it the last episode where it's like he explains everything he did or everyone explains everything they're doing Mm -hmm. is becoming very apparent in Finn. Well, I'll say... Let me say, Fox, that after putting Finn on notice for that last episode, mm-hmm. for me, this time, I feel like they've fulfilled that promise. And we I'd did say in part. They, they a gave couple progs of pretty fun action and just sort of like, we've set all this stuff up, so let's just sort of um, yeah. so I, I think have that, some crazy shit happen. I, I mean, even in the first prog, I mean, we'll get into it, but like, there's a lot of times where it's just like, no words. We're just going to show you some stuff, which I definitely yeah. agree with. But I'm starting to notice what you were putting down. I mean, that just feels like Pat Mills's current writing style, to be honest. He likes these explanations. Mm-hmm. We're going to see it in ABC Warriors also, you know. All right. Um, so it's hard. So I don't want to hold it against him too much, I guess, just because that it, that seems like what he's doing. And we're just sort of having a little bit of a disagreement of whether that's that's entertaining or not. But, you yeah. know, this one I feels like I feel like does sort of. Like I don't want to, you know, I don't want to like preempt. A man some other brings discussions. A, an entire building down on a person, so let's. Yeah, there's let's some cool stuff that. here. Yeah, so druidic eco terrorist Finn is infiltrating an arms manufacturer using shadows stolen from a graveyard to hide and taking out armed guards with fifth fasts, which are like druidic, you know, voodoo doll kind of things. Everything that you just said is something that I like. It's fun. <laughs> Finn hears the sounds of the weapons tests we saw last episode and goes bursting in. Uh, like we said last time, he's got these cool P- he's got one of those cool P90 submachine guns. Yeah, no, you know. he finally kind of uses it. Because I haven't at least in, yeah. and not that I remember, he didn't use it in this one. He's just like Bruh! Absolutely. Yeah, listen, I don't know a lot about guns, Fox, but I know that, that bow pup design where the uh where the where the magazine is behind where the trigger is, those are always look cool. Um, so, yeah, he calls this thing, his gun, a snubby submachine gun. And we kill and we see him killing a bunch of dudes with it while talking about glow worms doing evil in the name of good to better control those forces, which seems like a modification of what I've heard, which is the concept of um, evil, you know, evil conspiracy guys having to tell you that they're doing their conspiracy as a form of lesser magic, which is why, like, you know, so many of their schemes are similar to things that you see in movies because they have to make those movies to sort of subtly warn you that these things are happening, Fox. (laughs) I, you know, at some point you have to take that entire talk out of context. 
and then put on some uh, Illuminati signs on YouTube. The globalists are using predictive programming, Fox, for lesser magic. <laughs> Um, They're going to illuminate and then drop a building on you. Yeah, definitely. Turning the buildings fallen. Um, Anyway, (laughs) Finn makes it to Mr. Orland's office, the industrialist behind this company. But the industrialist is waiting for him. His Shining One power is on full display. And so he just sort of collapses his own building in on itself with a giant crump. And y'all, Finn y'all, just might now be I'm smushed. gonna bring this building down on you. God damn it, Fox. <laughs> um, Orlin oh tells my his God. Orlin tells his goons to search the rubble for Finn's Find body. The body. You know. My master needs to be certain if Finn is dead. Stop! All right. <laughs> he apologizes to Senor Bricochet about the disturbance. Oh, uh, not and we for see long. Finn. Finn crawling out of the rubble. He punches out some guards and then goes to hide in the shadows. But the shadows <laughs> seem to be no match for the bullets of Orlon's goons as they open fire and keep shooting despite cries telling them to stop until it's revealed that they've been actually shooting up said your Bricochet himself. I mean, How it's typical animal cunning. Yeah. <laughs> Coat the area in freezing brine. Oh, can I please? Saturate the area with freezing brine. Gonna brine this place up like a turkey, Fox. Finn gets hit by a blast of this below freezing water, cold enough to burn the flesh from your bones. I mean, he seems fine. He seems really fine. He seems like ripped and not burnt the entire time. at, At best, this is an excuse for him to take his shirt off, Fox, which only gives him more power. I'm just saying, like, it's either the hat or the guy is pretty good at getting wet. Lift it up, you know. Um, Switch to electrostatic water jet. He stumbles to a nearby bulldozer, which he then plows into Orlin's ambulance tank. Orlin, like you said, switches to the electrostatic water jet, which shocks Finn, but he still manages to smash into the ambulance again, seemingly cracking Orlin's head as he goes. Listen, man, all of the things that you said your big bus can do, he doesn't give a flip. No, he's going to use it against you. Orlin's down as Finn approaches him. Bullets can't hurt an illuminated one, but bullets that have been carved from special quartz from beneath the blind fiddler rock, which is a corner uh, standing okay. stone. All right. Uh, yeah, that's have, a... That have been specially tuned can hurt them. Eventually, I feel like if you shoot quartz out of a gun, your quartz is just going to explode. So you got to specially make the bullets. In, well, so, I mean, you got to like... You you shape the metal around the quartz at that point, but then Could be. you got you to gotta make sure that the metal comes off the quartz when it then goes into somebody. I mean, maybe quartz just breaks, really, like with a hammer. Really, yeah, maybe they just really like low yield um, gunpowder or really high yield, so it still just pro- projects. The, oh my um, god, it's like buckshot. The they just at you. buckshots with a bunch of quartz. Something that would still that would still, that would hurt. I'm just saying, I bet those bullets look really cool, Fox. Like, I'm thinking... Oh, my God, you had some tracer... You had some tracer rounds, too. That thing, you can see where it goes and all that. Well, no, I'm... I'm saying, like, if you looked at the actual bullet itself, and you'd have, like, the, the, the jacket with, like, kind of like a quartz stone coming out the top of it. Like, that... Oh, my neat. God. Are we say. talking about Blade 4? Blade 4 Probably. 
or some of those uh, underworld movies where they had like the glowing bullets and stuff. <laughs> there have there been like a hundred of those. So well, yeah, but like they had like sunshine like, no, bullets to... or something. Oh, sunshine bullets, Conrad. Yeah. I, you need to patent that immediately. <laughs> it's in those underworld movies. That's where the vampires like shoot each other. No, I know, but they don't call them sunshine bullets. Let's get I them. I think on that. they do. Oh <laughs> my god, know. no! Or UV bullets or something like that. I know. Anyway, see, Fox. that's the boring part. They call them UV bullets, not sunshine bullets. Because when you blast anyway. somebody, it's a happy sun out the back of them. Definitely. Anyway, okay. Okay. So, These bullets won't kill Orlin right away. He's alive enough to try to predator Finn, a.k.a. he's been (laughs) killed, so now he's going to explode, basically. Listen, there's only one thing you can do. Yeah, run. Uh, The shiny one commends his soul to Nasiren as Finn hops into the ambula tank and (laughs) drives like the wind. He's nearing like the gate, the guard post at the entrance of... The base here, so he activates all the vehicle's weapon systems. I, I love that. That uh, so first off, it's good planning to have red switches that are like, "Hey, you want to turn on the PVC bullets? Yeah, no problem. Your thermal radiation, your rapid fire, your auto targeting." I, <laughs> I, <laughs> the fact Why that you have a you? button that's like thermal radiation on off is very funny to me. What is? I, I mean, mean I guess would, very hot radiation. You gotta clearly label these things, Fox. That's that's true. I mean, you want to? That's that is fair. He was going to sell it to fellow shipman shipmate, uh, yeah. Bricochet. What's surprising to me is that they've got all this stuff, including auto targeting, on the on the guns. But this tank does not have cruise control, so Finn has to use a oh. dude's head on the um, accelerator to keep it moving forward as That's he jumps out. the 90s. Out you you got to have cruise control. That's what I'm saying. You know, low option tank, you know? Um, <laughs> spend Listen, it all, I spend keep it all this the at 20. I want to keep this at 20 miles per hour. Turn yeah. on my cruise control. Cruise control anyway. is a clutch maneuver. Anyway. Yeah. So the vehicle... Uh, f- goes on autopilot, blows through the gate, killing all these stormtroopers like crazy. And in the end, Finn stumbles out of the place. What a violent neighborhood. And uh, gets into a nearby van with his uh, fellow um, druids Assassin. waiting for him. As we see Agent Kruger, that Rutger Howard type from last episode, looking on, planning to take Finn out. I like how he's like, oh, if I wanted to kill that guy, it would have been one body... It's fine. I I would have just silently killed all of them, but he's a you know messy boy. But you're gonna find out soon that I'm not a messy boy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, contrasts their yeah big shot of his mirror shades. But yeah, it's just contrasting the um the two heavies from these two organizations from the 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 newts and the druids or whatever. I mean, we very quickly find out they're called anchormen which i fucking love well that's you always know. jump ahead so i, I you can't. know because i'm i'm gonna get to it and i'm like you know uh, whatever i'm sorry but, but Conrad. it seems like anchorman is like a term for <laughs> one of these guys assassins you know because they all have like these different nautical things hello sailor and stuff like that so but it really means something different now i mean it meant something different back in like the 50s. I mean, 
Yeah, even, you know, in 1992, it definitely also meant like, a you know, the main guy on a news channel. Just a joke. You know, it's one of these puns that, you know, Pat Mills likes, you know. Speaking of Maine and turbulent seas. Like, all, you know, all of these, all of, I think all, pretty much all of those guys have some sort of weird, like, this is also a pun or something like that name if you check them out from the, the, uh, the newts. Um, mm. But so at a local tavern, Mandy stirs a big cauldron and falls for, calls forth a vision of the ocean. All these druid types gather round it and they see a fishing boat being attacked by a giant, scree- by a giant green sea serpent, a sigling. It snags a fisherman. It's like a, I don't know. It says S-G-L-I-N-G. Yeah. Does it seem that what? Oh, no, I said like it's kind of like a Leviathan, but it's not like an endless monster. Oh, no, you're right. We see its full body. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of like a, yeah, it's kind of a water beast, like a flesh a flesh book two kind of dealy. Yeah. It snags a fisherman and drags him deep underwater, so deep that the pressure... Actually explodes him, which is pretty cool. Well, um, I would I would argue so deep he put his ass to sleep. But yeah, and was I did come have see, that, lot, that lined up as well. Indeed, <laughs> um, the beast goes deeper still, eight miles down to a place that looks like a galaxy in its own right. The swirling vortex of reality of the Newt's Tabula Rasa. Oh yeah, it, that little thing you got to take. Yeah, it says I who. We demanding action against the witches, and suddenly the sigling bursts out of the cauldron to attack them. Now nah, it's just an illusion. No worries. <laughs> I I love how they can immediately be like, Nah, we know how to speak tabula rasa lingo. It means this and that. <laughs> yeah, the ancient language of the newts and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I feel like how would they know? How would these how would these wiccas know? I mean, one, know your enemy. Two, Fair. they've been, they're a resistance after being enslaved by them for many years and stuff, like, for, you know, thousands of millions of years or whatever. So you pick it up, I think, <laughs> you know. Pick up the slang from the tabula Yeah, it's the old, uh, the old battlefield earth thing where you pick up the alien language, you know. Love it. Maybe Love someone the battlefield gets Earth reference. Maybe someone gets maybe uh, John Travolta gets. Do you Travolta love rat gets, meat? Maybe John Travolta gets salty and trains one of the humans to speak it at one point, and it kind of changes everything. That kind of stuff, you know. I want you um, to find me gold. Yeah. So we're getting towards the end of this one. Um, I'll say that man. By the end of this, these people are starting to look kind of weird in the art. I guess. Like, yeah, huge eyes, like exaggerated. Yeah. Eyes and noses were definitely ex- like exaggerating certain f- facial characteristics. Mandy warns Finn that the new no siren is coming after him, as is a human assassin. This is the Anchorman stuff. Finn is caught between the de- between a god and the deep blue sea. The end of Finn book one. <sighs> Conrad, I love it. <laughs> it's fun, yeah. And then book and book two will come in October of this year. Oh wow. Well, I mean, telling October, the month of ghoulies and uh, skeletons. Yeah, it's definitely a sawwin treat to get some more druid action oh, wow. in October. All certainly. right, there, bud. Let's dust off my Wicca handbook. That's right, uh, man. Uh, everything was rad until a sea serpent showed up, and then that got a little better. I thought that was fine. You know, it's sort of. I thought like these last ones mixed. Um, 
some general action with like kind of the myth arc spooky stuff or yeah like uh, druid stuff or whatever that's that's what i liked about the the final prog here uh like 779 was it's like hey listen you've been doing this stuff for a little while it's time for us to like let you let you in on shit and what i what i love is they're like oh yeah you're also i mean didn't i tell you you're getting chased by uh, a badass anchor man mm-hmm. um like i like it as this sort of like oh yeah you're, you're, oh also this i should have told you but i didn't um and you'll yeah. have to fight a sea serpent which i guess can appear on land and on sea yeah anywhere that it in water yeah so yeah i mean i i do think this is interesting just the start of um like the fact that you know Mandy does seem to have fun, like putting Finn in increasing in, in increasing levels of danger, which I think is going to be a theme going forward here as well. Yeah, hey man, Snagent of Chaos. You know what I mean? Good, yeah, good times. I I enjoyed it. <laughs> nice. Hey, Fox. Speaking of less good times and things you might not have enjoyed, <sighs> let's right. talk. Let's go to Thrill Three Harlem Heroes. Yep. Let's scripture uh, Mike. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Script robot Mike Fleischer, art robot Ron Smith, lighting robot Mary Green. It happened. We get some backstory right. yes. or or after story. Who even cares? Pre-story. It's the Hero Army yeah. show. Yeah, this story is called. Excuse me, uh, Gray Ghost Overflight. It's just about New Harlem Heroes member Silver, and it's a prequel to her getting arrested and joining the team. The story's in black and white, and I think it does actually give Ron Smith a really good chance to do some of his classic, like, high-detail crowd and technology artworks. Oh, I, think I, the, I mean, the art the here is really art nice is for sure. fantastic. The art is fantastic. I do not care about where this person came from. It also doesn't explain why she hates so much. Indeed. In 2105, in a military airfield, the Euro Arm Show is in full swing. It's full of people and jets and tanks and weapon systems, etc. Among them is a still respectable silver weir munitions designer. Hey, she's, look, I made a cube that can explode in a direction. Yeah, she's showing off a new explosive that only explodes in one direction. First by having a small amount explode in her hand, then by having a pretty good amount explode the roof off a test building <laughs> with the walls lined in thermite. If it goes wrong, it'll kill them all. But no worries, because it'll go fine until some jerk named Savvy shows up and decides to mansplain Silver's weapons demonstration. Like, who? So... I mean, I hate this person throughout. Uh, everyone should. It's a weapons demonstration. Don't interrupt gonna, a weapons demonstration. A demolition. Gonna, yeah, he hops the uh, hops the guardrail, runs into the building, and says he's showing off a device that can knock out electronic uh, triggering mechanisms. Yeah, it's like a sonic bomb, device. It's a thing, but it's a MacGuffin. But silver just. But Silver set the bomb using an acid trigger, not an electronic one. Hey, whatever that means. I mean, I, I guess it's a... I know it's a real thing from movies I've seen, but it's an idea that, like, you set something up and there's a thing of acid that bur- that eats through a piece of metal and that then oh, triggers really? the explosive. Yeah. Oh, that's that's actually kind of neat. I didn't know that, Conrad. Like, like, like an acid detonator or something. They're, they're out there. I think it's from it's from a time before they had um like small clocks, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I like the explanation. Like 
Um, oh yeah, I, I remember. Like uh, Bill Savage stole a bunch of these at one point. A uh, 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 pencil detonator. It's like a. Uh, it's a timed fuse. It was what what they used to make a timed fuse in World War II, basically. Oh, interesting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, fine. And I guess it's water. It, that, that makes it waterproof too, and things like that. But whatever. Well, and definitely anyway. soundproof, you goon. Yeah, but so. This guy's going to die, so Silver instead tackles him through a window just in time to avoid being explosives. Good times until they sort of dust themselves off and see a bunch of heavily armed jerks have taken the armed show hostage. Hey, wouldn't you know it that that maybe some terrorists would show up to your giant military expo of murder devices? Like, why is this public? Well, you know, listen, if there's one thing I, I mean, I'm surprised it's in Europe because, you know, here in the States, we love a good gun show, Fox. It's good. It's a good time. Um. <laughs> that's actually, that's such a good point. Like, why is it the Euro fucking like let's murder event? Different times, I guess. <laughs> yeah, different times. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we got anyway, Die Hard in a gun. In, an, in a gun show, Fox. That's what we got here. Um, Why has that not been done? Also, please continue. You know, just a lack of uh, a lack of ambition. You know, you could pick these guns up, do some crazy shit, whatever. Silver and Savvy get herded in with the other hostages. She curses herself for not having a weapon. But Savvy says he has several cool inventions that will help them, like a grenade that's supposed to create a field of darkness, but instead just shoots ink in a couple guys' eyes. Okay. Luckily, though... In the confusion, Silver is still able to escape, making her way away but with goons on her heels. She makes it to a combat sled vehicle and tries to fly away, but instead hits the roof of the hangar it's in and goes um and, and goes out of control. She dodges out before it can crash, and now again, full diehard mode here. It really As feels she- like she's the only person representing her product, right? Yeah, no one else is, everybody else is just sort of like, all right, like, you know, gorillas take us hostage every every time we have one of these gun shows, just do what they want, <laughs> and we'll all, you know, see Cuba for a couple days, and then we can go home or whatever. Yeah, just let them take your directional explosive device, or I guess, like, secret jets, whatever. Yeah, get that secret jet. Um <laughs> Uh, um, as she's skulking around, she overhears the goons making a deal with the uh, European military forces for them to send over their new stealth fighter, the Grey Ghost, using the hostages for leverages. Or for leverage, the plan though is to steal the stealth stuff from the Ghost, then detonate its nuclear engine to still kill all the hostages and you know Little cover did their they escape, know it was the spruce goose they can't <laughs> land or ascend oh no but uh so the goons see silver overhearing them and open fire as she tries to escape on a catwalk and it collapses beneath her i wonder what will happen luckily she falls onto a display of parachutes which break her fall Sadly that's tries not to help how her. parachutes work but I mean, they're like artificially extended, so it's it's the moral equivalent of an on of a building awning, like you know those like cloth awnings that always brought break your fall when you fall out of, off the side of a of, of a building. Man, I feel um, like if I fell on a parachute, the guy with or lady with a parachute would also just be like, "Well, there goes my parachute." Yeah, but these guys aren't actually parachuting. They're just dummies that are sort of being hung there to show off the look of the of the silk or whatever. <gasps> Fakery. 
Yeah, listen, you know, it's a, it's a display for the product, Fox. You got to have the product on display. <laughs> um, right, sorry, Savvy sorry. tries to help her by tossing a micro concussion grenade he has, but it backfires into him instead. Though it does actually still buy silver time. She grabs a canister of porta fog and uses it to escape, as does Savvy, as the leader of the gorilla's dodge orders her to be found. They're die-hardened around this show, and Silver and Savvy bump into each other. Savvy apologizes for messing things up while showing off a couple other inventions he's got. He's got a micro-dot reader, which is a tube that projects an image really big on um, from one side to another. Or this signal flare that can spell out letters like so. Oh no, I accidentally set it off, and now the goons have found us again. Um... I'll note that as we finish, as we reach the cliffhanger of this section of the story, these stripes on Silver's on Silver's faces have disappeared for pretty much all of this page. <laughs> I it really feels like he's trying to get a date by having inventions that are bad. Yes, so he's Ooh. basically Inspector Gadget trying to date Penny. Gross. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. I think. Listen, I would choose the name of the love interest from the Inspector Gadget movies, but I do not know that name. Anyway, <laughs> luckily, so, luckily, Silver has a – or there's a second one of these uh, word flares, and it's all the distraction Silver needs for her and Savvy to take out these goons. As they fight, the gray, goose com- the gray ghost comes flying in, and the gorilla is prepared to take its stealth tech and then rig its uh, power plant stack to explode. The goons get the tech and prepare to leave. Once they go, Silver runs to defuse the bomb. And once she's there, the only way that she can do it is to use Savvy's bomb diffuser. And it works! Oh, yeah, it's that Sonic thing. Yeah, as the mercs drive away, they're suddenly face-to-face with a giant bug monster! Oh, no! Oh, uh, God, go, we gotta shoot it with the things that we have? They go flying off the road and then run back into the base away from it where Savvy and Silver are waiting with big rifles. They capture the goons and then Savvy explains that he tricked them with a micro dot enlarger. We saw last Prague on a random cricket. The end! So it's not even holographic. It's a projection of a cricket. That's right. These gorillas are dumb. Man, I'm so into Harlem Heroes right now. Bleh. Harlem Heroes will return, Fox, but not no. until 1995. Oh my god, that's so far from now, Conrad. That's such a godsend. Yeah, well, we've still got plenty of Michael Fleischer in the form of Rogue Trooper coming up, so don't breathe too oh, no. big of a sigh, really. No, no, no. It's that's not... right. But I thought, okay, well, I thought maybe... Gonna maybe... get so much Rogue Trooper coming up. Oh my god. <laughs> and that doesn't hey, sound so... happy. Speaking of promises of the future, Fox. All right. Let's check out non-thrills, covers, and nerve centers. <laughs> I, I do like this first one. It's Prog cool. 776. Help, Dread! It's Ur upstairs! Dread's, Greg Staples draws a cover with Dread dealing with some domestic violence. He's getting hoisted. Yeah, definitely. And I, I actually really like, there's a little thing in here where you can see the city reflected on the back of Dredd's helmet, which I like a lot, actually. Yeah. I didn't even notice that first time around. Good shout out. I know. Always a big fan of that stuff. This issue has a very long nerve center where Tharg introduces the concept of the 2080 action special, which we'll be talking about later in the year. It's a special with stories trying to modernize some classic Brit comic characters like Steel Claw and other things like that. Okay. Um, I, um, I will say that I don't think 
that 2080's publisher actually owned the rights to these characters at this point. <laughs> which is why they did this special, but then don't do anything else to capitalize on it, basically. I mean, they like, I guess ask for forgiveness, not permission, right? One of these things where they published it, and it's like, all right, like right, let's try to make a comic out of this. Um, hey, just, you know, like, so I guess if we're going to make a regular comic, we got to do the legal stuff just to dot our I's and, you know, uh, cross our T's and the lawyer's come back and are like we don't own any of this <laughs> sort of why would thing. you promise it to anybody <laughs> plus just i feel like the 2080 editorial team thinks people are way more into this classic brit comic stuff than people actually nope. are i know you aren't but i'm saying even like the kids of the like the the teens of the early 90s are not into it as well you dinosaurs know? and cowboys and people fighting nazis you nailed it already. Don't don't go yeah. back to Dingle Silverhand or whatever. Sure. Soon enough, we'll get those dinosaurs back. Um, Thank mid, God. Uh, Mid-prog, there's a big ad for Red Dwarf magazine, Better Than Life. The input page has a picture of the three Judge Stooges. Letters say 2000 AD is delivered inside a newspaper. They provide a plug for the complete Judge Dredd. Ask about the next Super Surf and compliment the new skiz. The prog ends with a full-page preview for Button Man, part of the prog 780 blast. He may have been buttoned up before, but now he's unbuttoning the blouse of murder. Oh, Only come on, to I then... think this looks cool. Okay, look so cool? first off, so first off, first off, I, you know, listen, unbuckle your safety belt and button your cummerbund for action. Listen, I've got, I've got button jokes, but this whole fucking thing? Looks like something that I absolutely want to read. Oh, like this like, is this is the movie poster of my dreams of what is a thrill that I want to read. Like I've read ahead and I really love Button Man. I think it's a great but, story. Button Man, so- Button Man may be. Uh, look, there's a bunch of stuff that's upcoming in the blast. But uh, uh, quite frankly, uh, loving loving everything that's going on here, including. The cell phone. Well, it's, it's still 1992. You know, this takes, you know, yeah, it takes place in the not too distant future, like the one of those listen, five minutes okay. from now kind Conrad, of futures. I know? didn't want to do this, but there's a Tommy gun. There is a snub nosed pistol with a silencer. There is a blue eyed, uh, blonde haired man with a gun and a leather trench coat. There is a man with an eye patch. There's a man with a trilby. Yeah. There is a, a, a dude with a fucking cigar and a beard. There's a man with a hatchet in the shadows. There are, uh, there's a, there's a hand with a knife and there's a person shooting and a person doing what I call the steeple against the chin and bottom lip contemplating. And then on top of all of that, it's the cell phone that I know my mother first had when she was doing business <laughs> things. So does yeah. it have everything that I want? It has everything that I want, Conrad. And I'm into it. Especially that there's a Excellent. man with a hatchet. No, I'm very... Okay, good. I'm, I'm stoked about this. I'm going to because... button up about Button Man. <laughs> mm. Prog 777, jackpot. We're in like Finn as Mick Austin draws Finn beating up a stormtrooper. Another plane prog here, Fox 777. In the nerve center, 
Tharg once more explains the joke of Prague 772, that it was a nerve center from Sirius where they just got Prague 1. No, you weren't supposed to get a space spinner with it. Stop asking. But um, there are prizes to be had as part of the 780 blast. I I feel like there's such a missed opportunity with 777, but that's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, jackpot. They got their limit break going, Fox. It's good times. Oh, you spoke to my nerd, and now I'm feeling good. <laughs> also, you can win some Red Dwarf Series 2 video cassettes and our Nerve Center contents. I had these tapes when I was a kid, Fox, or at least U.S. Really? versions of them. Yeah, my parents got them from a PBS pledge drive. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, so first off, your parents are rad. This is now known. I mean, obviously, name Conrad. Because all be of right. these, all of these, all these BBC shows got replayed. This, this is back in the nineties. They all got replayed oh, on um, on PBS. So that's no, where you that's, get like your Midsummer Murders and your Red Dwarfs and stuff no, that's, like that. Uh, and so when, when I went to my grandmother's, that's what she would put on to to have me watch BBC programming, and she would actually record them on video cassettes, so her and my grandfather could rewatch them. When we came over, because my grandmother wanted me to watch uh, again, you know, I'm not going to rehash all of the super old serialized shows that my grandmother had me watch. But yeah, like it was all on PBS, man. Public Broadcasting Network. Very important in the States. Very underfunded. Red Dwarf specifically was one of these ones that would only get pulled out when they would do like their periodic pledge drives, you know. That's insane. It'd be one of these things where like, hey, here's this good show, uh, but you're, you're going to be asked to give money, you know, periodically around it. But so it also meant that like if you gave like a hundred bucks or something, they sent you that, you know. They sent like you the, the tapes. Yeah, they, they'd give you tape versions. And so there was a it's point where my brother and I got the first four series of Red Dwarf on VHS That's cassette so tape. crazy. We watched uh, the heck I, out of those things. Because I, I remember the telethons. Sorry, this is an aside for all of our UK readers. But I remember the telethons where it's like they would break partway through. And instead of showing anything, it would be, listen, we you have like the row of three people and then the back row of three people who are all pretending yeah, to answer phones. On phones, taking donations and stuff like but that. They were, yeah. No, but they were pretending, right? Because those weren't the people. To, like, you can't take. I don't know. Well, that's fair. You can't have six people taking phones across multiple, you know, uh, states. But I, I, well, no, I really, each, I each, appreciate TBS it wasn't, or a PBS. Yeah, because it wasn't national. All those pledge drives were all local. So that, so like, you know, each pledge drive is for your, like, you know, Los Angeles PBS station. I didn't or, know or that. Washington, I, I always figured PBS it was national. No. No, they're all staggered and happening at different times and different channels and different places and stuff like that. Man, learning things. The more you know. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot about this stuff. I like um, – there was a period where I, I did a lot of – I did a lot of volunteer work at uh, NPR, National Pub- – like the public radio station. Oh, my God. We've got to talk and about that at some point because that sounds learned, rad. Learned a lot of the ins and outs of, the, of a lot of this weird stuff. But anyway, Fox. Oh, man. This is a bigger aside than I expected. No, no. But, no um, it just says I was interested. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. No, no, no. It's fine. The input page is full color this time with pictures of heavy metal Joe Pineapples and Judge Little Red Riding Hood with a sweet black cape. 
Letters ask for more variety and cover logo color. At, uh, ask to answer Tharg's letters. Express concern about the upcoming fortnightly Judge Dredd magazine. Warn about getting too much thrill power in all the comics that are coming out these days. And have and there's several very short letters requesting no prizes. The prog ends with some superheroes beating up crooks as a terrified nerd with a chimp runs away. <laughs> Cola Commandos coming in the Prague 780. blast. This has me somewhat interested, but I it's confusing mm. as to why. <laughs> I'm trepidatious, I gotta say. Um, you know, apes and men and what we're looking at here could be good. Could. Could be mm. good. I mean, uh, you know, I would like it to be good. I don't know if it's going to fulfill that, though. Prog 778. Greg Staples draws dread and the babes in arms. Final decree of divorce, that is. In the nerve center, Tharg is shouting. Tharg has to shout because of the uproar over the coming Prog 780. He's going to let it blast. These are (laughs) the things that uh, he could do with? Hmm. Meanwhile, Igroid talks about a prison in Dedham, Massachusetts that's been in, that is encircled by a highway, kind of like Devil's Island, in the first Dread story. And it's there in real life, the Norfolk County Correctional Center, right in the median between the north and southbound lanes of uh, I-95. Anyway, the input page, still in color, has pictures of a very grim Judge Big Bird and a Judge Rhino, who's an endangered species. I so I don't care if someone did a did a trace drawing on this. I actually think that um, adding something to something else is uh, still art. This is fantastic. I love Judge Rhino. I love Judge Big Bird. Judge Big Bird looks like he's seen some shit, buddy. It's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some things on Sesame Street you wouldn't believe. Men living in garbage pails. People sharing their stories on how to spell. It's horrible. I swear to God, I saw that elephant. Um, (laughs) Oh, oh, ooh. I mean, he does have the jaw Mm, and the nose, I guess. Beak, that kind of thing. Letters beg to get a letter published. No evidence of raving in the thrills. There's a letter Mm -hmm. written in a serious language. That's raving like going to raves. A lapsed reader has come back to the prog. Oh, my. And there's wonder about why Dredd was never, never gets hit by the bullet shot at him. He gets hit sometimes. I mean, he got hit by a throwing star in this recent I, story. I, I was going to say, it's he gets hit by bullets plenty to the point where he's... I, I've seen that man in bandages quite a bit. Yeah, that Art of Geomancy story at the end of last year, he ended up being a beaten up piece of meat for sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not bullets, <laughs> but like... The man gets shot. He t- yeah, he takes damage, definitely. Yeah. Prog 779, headbanger. Robert Bliss draws the clown smashing heads in a fairly disturbing cover. This is something <laughs> that I would like to move on from. In the nerve center, Tharg is stoked for the Mega Blast. I really overestimated how much I have to do this when I started doing, when I'm saying the Mega Blast thing, Fox. He promises do free it. prizes when the, when the progs come out. Do it. Igroid reports Dread is being used in an article in Private Eye magazine, and Ooh. there will be a Merga Blast signing <laughs> at Forbidden Planet. 
Yeah. In the nerve center, a Juve is being arrested by Meter Maid 2075, and letters nominate Thog for the High Priesthood of the Cult of Bob. Write a pointless letter. Se- there's, uh, we learn several doctors' patients are, appear- are experiencing thrill power overload, and there are requests for both how to subscribe to the comic and a request for a Judge Dredd film. Careful what you wish for. See, I feel like, and this is not me saying that we should ever invoke these again. Doctors should employ thrill suckers in a medical capacity. Hmm. Oh, like uh, like leeches and stuff. I see what you mean. <laughs> Not condoning leeches. I guess it makes sense if you're suffering from thrill power overload that you right? want to reduce that thrill power. Yeah, because it's not blood. Talking. You're not going to suck the happiness yeah. out of people. It's just, you know, you're overloaded. So we got to attach this mushroom elephant to your side of you. And then, you know, just you're good. We, we, we should talk to Eamon about this. Definitely. Um, <laughs> and Hey, speaking of, um, strange scientific theories, Fox. Oh, wow. Okay. That was a good, that was good. I like that. Here we go to, Thrill for Tales from Beyond Science. (sighs) Script robots, Mark Miller, Alan McKenzie, and John Smith. Art robot, Ryan Hughes. Letting robot, Mark King. Again, don't don't hate it. Just too many pages for the punchline. I thought this first one was pretty spoopy. Um, The rest I could take or leave. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Mark Miller's writing this one. I think he's actually the best writer of these tales from Beyond Science, for the record. Um, he did the first one as well. But so Dorothy Crookall has a special audio tape that she only listens to in private, weeping over its contents, never letting her son Barry hear it. She made the tape with her sister for a third sister that's moved to Australia of them just sort of, you know, talking and having a good time. But when they played it back, they heard the voice of Barry's dead cousin. We then flash back to a totally false story about Guillermo Marconi inventing the radio so he could communicate with a fictional dead brother, Sergio. Uh, The Crookall recording is dismissed as stray radio waves, but those kinds of claims have been discounted by Faraday boxes. And how could Marconi have heard similar transmissions when there were no radio waves, Fox? Well, I mean, there were always radio waves, but let's move past it. We see a reasonably creepy page of Marconi talking to his dead brother and the brother speaking gibberish back through a radio. Mm-hmm. Other voice-based researchers have heard similar things and apparently 1,500 cases of this happen in a year. What are our dead relatives trying to tell us? <sighs> Spoopy. Al McKenzie's up next. It's about a Navy captain named Ferdy Magellan in a psych ward. He's shouting yeah, about the this Moo the, the Lemurians. Yeah. This is what I didn't like. His ship got lost in the Devil's Triangle, sorry, in the Dragon's Triangle. We see a big sea monster attacked him. They went down a big whirlpool. Most of the crew got eaten by sea monsters. Magellan got shipwrecked on Easter Island, and all the heads have rock bodies set on destroying humanities. But he's crazy, so there's nothing to worry about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, according to this, he's like, is he crazy? Because, like, who knows? Yep. I will say there is a there is a joke in here where just all these weird things are happening and Magellan and his first mate are sort of looking in the different direction, sort of idly commenting on strange occurrences. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind like, of, uh, you, you know, you expect these uh, gigalodons. I don't, I don't remember what yeah. he said, but it was kind of funny, not funny enough. Um, nope. Nope. <laughs> 
John Smith takes over writing as Hillary Trem- as this Hillary Tremaine guy sits in a pool that has a giant shark lurking below. I I did like this where he feeds the shark guts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he then talks that's the, the end. Yeah, he talks about the big questions in life, like what are my nipples for? And buddy, they're for feeding our young. <laughs> uh, so and there's aren't enough there aren't enough differences between XX and XY for XY to have not grown nipples. Or just you know these differences. The the genders are closer than you think, buddy. It's a spectrum. So everybody's so, going to have nipples. That's how it goes. So there is no kind of way of knowing that that's the through line until it becomes the through line. It's yep. like, oh, what are nipples for? And then like two or three pages and then nipples become important again. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, there's an escapologist named Edwin Spendlove. That's does bigger not and bigger word. escape tricks. And eventually goes on a world tour to obtain true mastery of his body. He studies with a mysterious freak show runner named Dr. Bliss until one day <sighs> something weird starts happening to his nipples. And he goes on a quest to find a mysterious floating <laughs> black pyramid. He does, but gets shipwrecked, landing in Portugal with big red eyes where his nipples were. <laughs> eventually he goes mad and stabs out all four of his eyes, jumps out a window and breaks all of his bones, but still is still alive. And now he lives immortally paralyzed from the neck down, the world's greatest escape artist, trapped in a hospital bed with, like, a blindfold around both his eyes and his nips. So, the thing that I'll say about this that I like, because there there are some games, indie games that I like that do this, it's that, like, through his nip eyes, he could see eldritch gods and how the world actually was. Which is Mm -hmm. an interesting concept, except that we spent three quarters of the comic not talking about his nipples, then talking about his nipples. One panel explaining eldritch horrors that he saw, and then everything else being about how he doesn't, like he's trying not to see those eldritch horrors, where I feel like the whole thing could have been like, he had eyes on his nipples. It's eldritch horrors. Here's all the horrible shit he saw. And instead we just... Yeah. A real waste no one of uses time. nip. No one uses nipples for anything, Fox. So they must be um, <laughs> hidden eyes that allow us to see the real truth, Fox. Because otherwise, they're totally useless. They're no complete... one's ever used a nipple for anything. Utterly useless, in the words of this comic, which is like okay, but that's not even the worst one, which we're about to go into. So let's do that. Mm. John Smith writes this final tale about Denholm F. Bingley, an obsessive collector of movie memorabilia. He embarks on a mystic quest to find the sixth toe of Marilyn Monroe. And both of John Smith's stories involve mystic quests that generally at at least have as their part meeting up with some kind of mysterious drag queen as well. Um, Which is awesome in a way, right? Yeah, ups and downs. (laughs) <laughs> but also the mysticism around drag queens, which is like, all right, anyway. They're just trying to make a buck. He makes a few stops, ending up at a film studio in Burbank called the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. To get uh, there, he had to walk a lonely road, the only one that he had ever known. <laughs> Didn't know where it goes, but it's a home to him and he walks alone, Fox. Oh, God, I love you so much right now. <laughs> anyway... All the movie stars of yesteryear are alive and well and partying as Cecil as Cecil B. DeMille looks on racistly from the rooftops. Thank you. Marilyn Monroe, once they get there, Marilyn Monroe is frozen in time and covered in needles to 
focus her carnal power to act as a muse and focal points for the world's strangeness, which the people use don't. because the movies aren't magic anymore? Uh, I don't know. But so Denholm isn't into this, so he pulls out the needles of Marilyn's body, and she collapses into a weird pile of ectoplasm and, and St. Elmo's fire. It's mouth, ectoplasm. vagina, and teeth. Yeah. Saint Ectoplasm and St. Elmo's Firefox, because she can be the woman in motion, <laughs> running through the streets, see oh, LA God. exploding higher and higher. Oh my God. <laughs> and then indeed the whole place explodes, an apocalypse breakout with your standard John Smith list of terrible occurrences, as Cecil B. DeMille once again looks down on it all, also presumably racistly. <laughs> uh... Take it or leave it, Conrad. The entirety of what we read today. Leave it. The end of Tales Beyond Science. This is the end of this um, little side work. Ryan Hughes will be back. He's going to do some Robo Hunter stuff um, in maybe a year or two, I believe. Really? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think it's an interesting work. It's an interesting got, direction. What I was going to say uh, is like Ryan. Ryan Hughes is part of the reason that I like it. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. because uh, again. I think you're right about the Mark Miller got some creepy pasta to it, um, but just the the consistency of the look I think would add to this if it were not five to six pages of just gonk garbage. In most yeah. case, in most cases, or or weird at least looking back, but uh, like Ryan Hughes art, I like I'm super into it, really into it. Um, and I, I think it's just like the sharp lines and like how, how character faces look and how expressions are done or, you know, I'm drinking some tea and there's like a curly cue coming off of it. Like, it's just, it, it feels, it, it has like a, a visual pedigree. The problem is, is that 90% of the content is like, I could do without. <laughs> yeah. I think you're really right that it's definitely trying it's trying for a creepypasta SCP kind of feel to it. Yeah. Um but the fact but it doesn't uh, or maybe I've just read more refined versions of this. Yes. That we all accomplish have. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it really sort of pales in comparison of trying to make like a creepy kind of case file kind of situation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, Fox. Hey, you like words? Conrad. Thrill five, the clown. How do you like them words? Uh, <laughs> not great. Um, I like this body dysmorphia that uh, Bliss kind of presents. I like this strange edness. I feel like it would work really well if I gave a shit. Mm. Script robot Igor Goldkind, art robot Robert Bliss, letting robot Annie Parkhouse. Okay, Fox. There's a donkey that's dead. Sorry, excuse me, a horsey that's dead. Pony, Pony? yeah. In, in a strange and terrifying cityscape a million miles away from a nice circus, a clown wanders through the alleyways. Downtown, a man named Louie with the forelock hair thing plays cards with some weirdos. He's got a funny feeling when suddenly the clown comes smashing in. Ooh, killed by Pony! 
The weirdos open fire on him, but all seem to miss. Louie escapes out a window as the clown kills the other guys. We see eyeballs flying everywhere. Soon the clown comes after him, passing a child with a balloon. The clown shoots Louie, hitting him in the back and exploding his guts all over the place. And then he pulls a nice bouquet out of his pants and gives it to the little girl. I actually liked this, where it's like the, the child is is like, oh, yay, clown, right? Yeah. Um. Now please continue and I'll leave my comments for the end. <laughs> At the police station, uh, Joe Brummer has got reports of gunshots and goes to investigate. He finds the clown's red nose and he gets sprayed in the face by water from the bouquet. Great. Back at the clown house, the clown reports the death of Louie to the shrine he's built around Toby the Pony's head. Real and gross. the horse demands two more deaths with ghostly clops for vengeance. <laughs> yep. At Yeah, no, horse getting real gross. At the police station, the girl is flipping through a mug book of clowns. There's a cop with a huge cloud of red hair. A lady cop, I should say, brings some pastries. I have so many problems with what's going to happen. And Brummer yells at her and, like, beats her punches, up a bit for... Punches a, yeah. a donut into her mouth because yeah. abuse is funny, right? Yeah, because she got him a raspberry Danish. I don't know. Like, listen. Like, it's it's I, personal. It, look, cops bad. Everyone else also bad. Maybe also good. Uh, you don't need to do that by beating a woman. I want to say that this, the, the conceit that we're going here, this joke of a cop that loves desserts and gets really into them is, um, I think this has potential. I like this kind of concept. Well, it's, it's Twin Peaks, right? Exactly. The damn good yeah. cup of coffee. But, but you never see him beat somebody because the coffee's bad. The problem is that, like, because of the way... Bliss draws or the, the, his art style, what should be slapstick violence is instead like sort of kind Very. of heavy, dis is heavy, disturbing violence, basically. Yeah, because that's what he does best is disturbing anything. Yeah. So like what so what 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 could be a funny thing be, you know, it, just like when the clown kills people like it's it's like um, it's like it doesn't a, feel a funny. Meld yeah, it's it's a meld of slapstick and like semi-realistic, like um, like gore, basically. You know, it'd be yeah. like yeah, if Wiley e. Coyote ran into a wall and you like saw blood and gore and, you, and like, guts. Yeah, you saw the guts and how much pain he was in and stuff like that. You know, it's like it's not it it's not it, wrapping his leg in a bunch of bandages and a cast and him like unpacking an acme thing kind of haphazardly or whatever it is him with a bunch of scars and like a, a, a catheter and you know it, without two legs because he got run over by a train and him trying un unsuccessfully to unpack an acme box right right it, and it I'm not doesn't saying that feel good Right. I'm not saying that can't be funny either because I've read Preacher, but um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just say that in this case, it just more feels gross than well, no, I, it feels uh, well, that's, that's, funny or anything else, I guess. Well, because I think to your point, that is that is the writer matching the artist, right? So, okay, maybe they haven't gotten their groove yet to make that to make that hit, right? Um, and I understand that, right? Like, it takes a little while for you to find 
how to how to work something. Um, this just feels like violence and the attempt to be funny, as opposed to yeah. funny because it's uncomfortable or funny because it's so over the top. Right? This is like I keep talking about cheesecake and and keep saying the word check, uh, and then I punch a person. In this case, a woman mm-hmm. um, who is literally just doing their job. Whereas when it's funny in Twin Peaks is because it's a damn fine cup of coffee at a diner that probably doesn't have a damn fine cup of coffee. Might, but it it's hilarious because it's like he, he loves himself a cup of coffee. He loves this place. He's enamored with it. It's not about the coffee. It's that this FBI agent is a weirdo, you know? This is this is yeah, a weirdo. I, this is a psycho violent person. Yeah, I mean I just think that yeah, it's just that um like this yeah, you know, there's just a, a discussion to be had about um clown and sort of how, you know, it's it's got this slapstick stuff but then but but then plays it very straight and I think that because of that it makes Brummer attacking this detective a little bit. Uh, it, it's rough. Anyway, um oh Jesus. Yeah, you're right. Um, it's clear that that Brummer also hates clowns while the little girl likes them. Meanwhile, the clown swears hammer-based vengeance to the increasingly decrepit-looking head of Toby. It's green. Else, yeah, yeah, it's definitely taking on these like very rotting and and dist- and uh, gross uh, color schemes. Elsewhere, the two targets of the vengeance, Huey and Dewey, are wondering what to do. And Dewey, clearly the boss, based on his Napoleon hat that says "boss" on it, is planning to go to the opera tonight. He is a goon called the Bash Boys, I guess, as Huey sees the clown outside his window. He runs away, tripping on a juggling pin, and begs for mercy before the clown starts hammering him. Later, the cops find the body, and Brummer takes the implied insult of Huey's flat feet personally. I I will say, uh, leaving the nose everywhere, the guy never wears a, a, a red nose. So... It's either a calling card or I don't know, whatever. I'm reading too much into this. So Dewey puts on a suit for the opera as the clown puts on his makeup and clown shoes. If clothes make the man, then what makes the clown? He's got I would one say the comedy left. makes the clown. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Um, he's got one target left and, and uh, decides to take the rotting head of Toby with him for this one. Dewey gets ready to go when Brummer shows up at his door. He's on a diet, he says. He's got spearmint gum. Hates that Tutti Frutti gum. I mean, I he, so this is where I do agree. Who likes Tutti Frutti gum? I don't I'm know. Not, I don't know I'm, if I've... I, listen, man, I'll tell you. Uh, you had bubble tape before? You've had bubble gum flavor, right? Or, or, yeah. or, or uh, um, what is that? League Chew? Where it's like just the... Yeah, Big League Chew? Sure. Big League Chew. Very good. Uh, spearmint's great. Tutti Frutti? Which is that, you know, remember the, the zebra brand of, like, gum It's marketed to us as, yeah. as children? Yeah, fruit stripe gum. Yeah, fruit stripe. Not good. Tastes like fruit that is not fruit. Doesn't taste like I, fruit. It has the taste of the taste of fruit. I just remember that that gum always lost its flavor, like, immediately, you know? Yeah, yeah it's not good. You got maybe three chews, and then it was gone. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, um, Conrad. 
He asks Dewey about the clown, and Dewey plays dumb. Bremer tells the cops to watch him, and the cops aren't super happy about protecting scum like Dewey. The man himself heads out and is meet by the extremely wacky Bash Boys, Bash Street Boys. They got like Mickey Mouse ears and dunce caps and various clown adjacent murder weapons and clothes, all looking weird. Dewey gives them the job to take out the clown, but when they try to do it, the clown immediately takes them out with a with blast a, with from a the cannon. cannon from the yeah. human cannonball. You know. It's a joke thing. It's fine, I guess. Uh, they all get blasted, but the cops are there and try to go after the clown. He gets shot in the shoulder and runs off, and the cops call for backup. We got that clown! At the opera, um, a dude in clown makeup sings. And does the Ahegio face. We learn life is a uh, he, song he, of lonely cantos. He does the... He, he looks inward with his eyes and sticks out his tongue, Conrad. <laughs> yeah. He's just singing real hard. It's no, made of Japanese horny, Fox. That's how it goes. <laughs> it's literally Japanese horny. Sorry. I, I like I wrote that specifically in my notes because it he's like cross-eyed and his tongue is sticking. It's he's just it's, singing real hard. <laughs> I mean not like that. Fox, he's I like, wanna <sighs> finish this. I wanna finish this thrill up real bad. I know. <laughs> um he practices for the show and we see the clown hiding in the catwalk as the singer sees Detective Brummer arrive eating an ice cream cone. He likes strawberry, vanilla makes him mad. He warns the singer, Parmerardi, that the clown has been spotted in the area as the punters file in to see the show, including Dewey, who gives some lip to Brummer. And in the background, there's a concession lady who walks by selling selling all the foods that Br- Brummer has said he likes throughout the course of this comic, just FYI. All right, that's fine. Um, the show starts in center stage. It's it's the clown, our buddy, with the gross head of Toby. You killed my pony! The clown and Brummer start to fight, and Bliss paints all this with these huge motion lines combined with this weird physical distortion that makes this fight really hard to track and figure out what's going on. Strong agree, but I do like the art. I mean, it's very, yeah, it's it's very visceral and stuff. I'm just... But it's, of, no, following it is impossible. What the fuck's going like, on? Like, I, I would not like to sort of map out the blow-by-blow blow of what's going on here. Um, yeah. In the end, though, the clown grabs Dewey and both of them go over the side of the theater balcony. The clown hangs then from the chandelier. And with the final, he killed my pony, the chandelier breaks. And the two of them go crashing down to the, gal- to, uh, the ground. Hitting, hitting it with a mighty splatooch. We see that uh, Dewey is dead, but the clown has gone missing. A tragic end to this turgid story. But I got a feeling we haven't seen the last of the clown. Oh, that's unfortunate. The end of the clown. That's unfortunate. <clears throat> so yeah. great art. I mean, again, like I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna poop on that. Um, that. The rest of it's fine. I could do without. I, I yeah, just don't the... want to see a clown murdering, I guess. Or or this. <laughs> yeah, the clown will return briefly in 1993 and then we'll be back for real in 1994. Yeah, I mean, I would say that the clown, this story is really the archetypal, um, I like the art thrill. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean I think that given given the material you have, where it's like I want to exact vengeance on these people, 
See, this is this is what surprises me with what you said that the, that it's coming back. I feel like the art speaks for itself massively. Um, what else can you do after your pony is gone? It's like you're just digging for something, or or maybe someone has some kind of I I don't know. Like they they feel like they have more to tell, or that they are a writer but they're not. And again, <laughs> this mean, isn't. I... <sighs> I don't mean to be shitting on people. It just feels like. This is a good enough end for what we got. I don't I don't want more of this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I I admit I have no memory of um the clown part 2. Like I I I remember it happening, but I could not give you any details of it. It might just be that there's more people that are responsible for Toby's but, death. But that's the point is like who cares? Right? The clown cares. He doesn't want people to kill his friend. Yeah, but I don't. I like in in a year or after that, then in two years, right? Like Judge Dredd keeps going, right? Like no one's going to remember at this point in time in the 90s invasion. Like there are some people, right? Uh, But now it's a gore comic. I don't know if, you know, I certainly would want it, but no one's going to know who the fuck Bill Savage is at this point. Uh, you'd be, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, anyway, they, they, they do bring, you know, Savage will be back eventually. So, you know, no, I know. I, I, I guess, I there guess there are people that know the character, but I also agree that I don't think, you know, I mean, listen, maybe we'll see letters that say differently, but I don't think anybody's really checking for the clown. You know, again, <laughs> it's one of these, one of these stories in here that has not been re-released, you know, like telling detail, I guess. I, I'm just saying that, like, I would love to see instead of if, if this weren't the clown, it was just an invasion side story where uh, somebody who got it wrote it. And then Robert Bliss wrote that invasion story. Like, I feel like this art could express very clearly a helicopter exploding and then landing into a bunch of like murderers somewhere, right? Like this, it they're, it's so expressive, but we're dealing with clowns and we're dealing with something that like it's uh, like I get I get the impetus of everything. I get the story. Like I'm a B movie lover. This is a this is a stupid story that I would love to watch. I guess, but it it's so overly simple. It's like yeah, I'm gonna oh they they stole my money. But it's not about the money, it's about the pony, and then I killed all of them, the end. And the worst character, which is the 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 detective. I, I I'm talking too much about the clown. Let's move on, Conrad. I mean Ugh. you know, I mean I'm I I, I want to hear what you have to say. I don't know why you immediately think of, of Bliss for invasion. That feels like a terrible match to me. No, you, no, to be so, honest. So so it it because of how you can showcase um murder happening to something, right? So, uh, like, his showcasing of, like, the detective, other than in the, like, I'm shoving something in your face, there there are these calm shots that they have where it's just, like, these weird-looking people. It's in the over-exaggerated that uh, you're kind of getting this contrast. So it's like, oh, we're in this normal situation, normal situation. Oh, and then violence happened. Uh, and the violence is so over the top. That's where, like, you could you could say, like, oh, invasion's back, and it's fucking violent. In this, with the clown, it's like a pony got killed. The the kind of the visual style changes, 
but the narrative doesn't get any more interesting other than like, oh, cops are bad. I don't I don't mm-hmm. hate the guys that stole the clown's money. The only reason I hate them is that they killed the horse, which is fine. But the through line of that is I killed the three guys. The end. What's the point of the cop? Right. Um, and and then in that point, what's the point of anything? Why is this clown a, a secret great murderer? I all of the clown is pretty bad, and I it's not even my bottom, Conrad, but it's not far off. Okay, it's not far off. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. You, or disagree you, I, on like, several of you these things. But extol. speaking of which, let's let's talk about our uh, top and bottom thrills here, Fox. I need to know what are your tops and bots for uh, seven seventy six to seven seventy nine. I know I talked quite a bit. So look, man. Um, I love it. I want to hear what you got to say, buddy. Come on. <sighs> Listen, Judge Dredd is my top. Uh, it is clearly the best out of all of this uh, for me this this month. Um, just from a resonant point of, of humanity. Um, again, C.D. Heedy. Heedy was such an integral character into making it work. Uh, and I don't think that it would have without Greg Staples. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like, okay, far off shots, there's a little bit less um, uh, detail put on. But my God, when he goes into a close up of a character, you get humanity, like, especially with the eyes. But facial features, everything like that, like it, it, if you go farther than the face, and I think that that's kind of the money shot, is that like, okay, everything else is is kind of caricature until you go into humanity, which is in the face. Uh, again, uh, just Hedy is my favorite character. So like thus far in, in, in our month right now. Nice. For, for bottom... My God, can I say three-fifths of this comic? I can't, and I... So, uh, what I won't, what I will not say, Beyond Science isn't that. Beyond Science is fine. Uh, I wasn't excited about reading it, and I wasn't excited about exploring it. And then you get into Clown, which I don't like, which I don't think hits any high marks, but I... I think is honestly carried by the art. So, Conrad, I don't want to see any Harlem heroes featuring anybody anymore, especially because it's not additive. The problem hmm. with, with me and Harlem heroes is it it showed up as subtractive. It subtracted from our original love of Harlem heroes. And then it hmm. keeps showing up as trying to be additive to the story that it that it created but it's not adding anything what did i learn about silver that something happened and that she maybe went to jail and that there was a weird guy there and like none of this is additive to harlem heroes which Mm -hmm. already removed itself and destroyed something that i already loved deeply i hate harlem heroes (laughs) now do i this new harlem heroes yeah yeah exactly do I hate Clown? I don't hate Clown. Do I dislike it? Yes. I hate Harlem Heroes, but I also hate the back half of this catalog. Like, I read Dread. Dread was great. I read Finn. That was great. And then everything else, like, viscerally, man, it was like, 
I'm ready for the reset. Please just show me something new or or like bring something into it. I'm ready for the changeover. But if I was a fan reading for this entire month, I would have been disappointed. Mm-hmm. And you're leading into a month where you want to do some big thing, right? And that's yeah, I mean, that's, we're de- the, yeah. that's the mindset I was in. Sorry. I mean, we're definitely building up to some big stuff. The crossovers like two episodes away i want to say or three episodes away i guess that's going to be real big stuff and you know this is sort of this new model that we've got where we're going to have twice a year sort of a big restart usually with prizes in the comics and sort of just just trying to get new readers in and stuff like that sure and and if but if you want people going to your news agent every day what i don't want to see is your second rate stuff trying to fill time if that makes sense Give Judge Dredd sure. a couple more pages or or Finn or who the fuck cares. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's not I don't think that's really something they can just do on a whim. No, just, no, no, no. That's not what like, I, I, I I'm. Yeah, I'm not assuming that, but it's more of just this is what you gave me for this month. Uh, would I subscribe for another month? Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think like, I don't know. Yeah, I see what you mean. Well, so here's here's the counterpoint. Conrad, top and bottom. Um. For me, I'll say my top is Finn. I really like just sort of the uh, the fights, like all this explanation and stuff coming together for some pretty cool um, like fights and um, action scenes and stuff like that. I like what it did with all that stuff. Enjoyed yeah, I that don't quite disagree. A bit. It was so and then, fun. And then I really liked um, it setting things up for the future and stuff for this next round of the story and all that. Um, for my, you know, just, just to go over things, I like Babes in Arms as well. I thought it was a, a fun, I like the, um, I like the action, like the characters. Um, I like the art of young Greg Staples here, sort of, um, taking some more tries and, and getting more of a handle on his art style. Um, it didn't affect me as personally as it did for you, but I thought it was still pretty good. Um, I thought, honestly, I thought Harlem Heroes was not that bad this time. Um, (laughs) I don't think it's perfect or anything like that, but I, um, you know, I respect die hard. that. I respect that position as, and, and I want it to make clear to everybody: as Conrad is not a fan of New Harlem Heroes. Yeah, um, that's you big know, praise. But die Hard in a uh, in a weapon show, I can get behind that. Um, and like you know, it just definitely seemed like just kind of an inoffensive kind of like mid card, low card kind of story here. Um, and I, I, I really like Ron Smith's art as well. So that really um, pulled it up quite a bit for me. Um, yeah. Uh, Tales Beyond Science, you know, and then the other two stories are stories where I think the selling point is the art. And I feel like in both cases, the art wasn't enough to overcome stories that I didn't like and situations and themes that I really didn't like. Um for me, Tales Beyond Science is just kind of a future shock, so I don't. I, I kind of give it a little bit more leeway. Like there were I a mean, couple it takes tales. So from, many more pages, man. Right? Yeah, there were a couple tales from Beyond Science that I thought did successfully spook me out a little bit. So it's got um, some positives there, I think. Um, and in the end, I just really didn't like Clown. I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was too wordy. I thought that the art was in the, the, the art was 
um, intentionally ugly in the telling mm. of an ugly story. Um, and so that in the end, it just, I found it to be uncomfortable and not fun to read. Um, mm. I wasn't really interested in the story itself. And I just really, I really disliked finishing up um, the comic with this, with this story. It, yeah, it, it, it felt like a bad time. I, you know, I, I hearken back to a time where, because uh, this is, this is what struck me about this reading that we did. You start strong and you end strong was a, a thing that you had pointed out to me, you know, through the 70s, through the 80s. You want your best and your second best either in the first or or last or middle, right? Yeah. I've, well, you you want you you want to open with your best and close with your second best, and that the only time you don't do that basically was in the period when the middle pages had the color in them. Yeah. You know? And so that sort of upset things where you want your best to have the color pages, basically. And and so this is effectively saying like we know we're ending with our best and you're ending with clown, right? Yeah. And I, I certainly agree with you. That's not what I would have ended. I would have ended with Finn or, you know, at the very least, or started with Finn. You can't in in where we're at now. Um, you got to start with Dread. I mean, that's the what, like, exactly. that's the best just in the, that's what people are, are here to see, and, you know? And I want to shout out, like, Again, you put Finn on notice, and I think that that putting it in your top spot is fairly important um, compared to our last episode because, again, like you you're seeing progress towards. Yeah, that's uh, what I tried to talk about a little bit in the uh, in the actual in the in the in, in the recap for it. Yeah, just I, that I, I I had some problems with it previously, and it feels like it's sort of capitalized on, or it's it's. You know, obviously, it hasn't actually heard what I said, but it sort of <laughs> silenced some of my doubts in the uh, in the ensuing week. I'm glad it did because I, I I do love this occult narrative that it's going for. It's it's so much more. I don't know. Just it it's fun, mm -hmm. like the way that Robo Hunter used to be fun. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. So okay. So I think that's it for this one. Uh, yeah. Don't like that clown. Fine with that fin. Ready to get going. Ready for this mega blast, Fox. Very exciting. And I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch at the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com, the 2080 forums, or on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at Space Spinner 2K for everything else. Please look up Space Spinner 2000. We should be there. And hey, if you want to rate and review us where you're listening to this or wherever you can find us on the internet, we'd appreciate it. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardinghan, Zane Kip Miller, and your friends at the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and get a ton of extra rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2080 in the magazine, and even monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. They're pretty come good. Back. Yeah, definitely. Always a good time. Then come back next week. <coughs> As we take a short break from Prague to talk about the 2000 AD sci-fi special, as well as the Judge Dredd mega special, and hold on to your podcast platform because we're about to start going weekly with big with the Big Meg One and the magazine. Ooh, ooh, ooh. After that, it's time for the Blast. Oh, <laughs> Shivers down Gibson. my spine. 
very exciting. Ian Gibson returns to Dread. The ABC Warriors and Rogue also come back and will have new thrills in the form of Button Man and Cola Commandos. This will also be a new listener episode, so if you want to jump somebody into the podcast and have them start learning about crazy early 90s 2000 AD, I'd highly recommend suggesting this episode. Yeah, come on, check it out. And until then, I'm Conrad Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Don't kill my horse!